Hi everyone, I'm Esther Kovac, co-founder of Drone Talks and, uh, and the host of this series, Women Behind the Drone Revolution, where we visit uh, conferences and have a stage talk about you know, diversity and how we can enable uh, different background and uh, people to enter into the drone market. And one of the main topics, of course, is, you know, a woman and uh, this is what we will talk about. We will talk about today how to hire women, how you can encourage, you know, uh, the younger generation of women entering to the drone aviation industry. We will talk about great examples with our panelists. What, the, what is their career role and what do they do regarding drones and what was the path towards to that. And we will listen to real life examples um, as, as a female leader uh, at the industry. Thank you so much for joining. Maybe first we can start with an introduction. Maybe Jen, you know, if we start from that side. Um, Jen is um, the Senior Director of Regulatory Affairs at Skydio. Thank you, Jen, and please introduce yourself. Great, thanks. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Jen Player. As Esther said, I'm, I lead the regulatory, aviation regulatory affairs team at Skydio. Skydio is the largest US manufacturer of small drones. And you don't need to be an expert pilot to fly a Skydio drone. Our, our drones are really easy to operate. And the reason for that is their computer vision based uh, autonomy capabilities, uh, which offer uh, navigation and GPS denied environments, uh, obstacle avoidance, and a number of highly automated workflows. In my role on regulatory affairs, I work with our engineering team on regulatory compliance. I work with our customers, with regulators, and with standards development organizations to uh, enable uh, advanced drone operations. My background is in aeronautical engineering, and I started out my career flight testing military aircraft I spent some time at Cessna Aircraft, uh, working on certification of business jets in aerodynamics and flight controls. I spent some time at NASA, uh, researching large-scale simulations of air traffic management concepts. And around 2011, I had the opportunity to lead a small team to build a really large drone, and that's when I fell in love with working on drones. So after that project ended, I had the opportunity to support uh, BNSF Railways UAS program. It's a large railroad in the United States uh, looking to use drones for track inspection. And working through the FAA's Pathfinder program in 2015, we conducted the first long-range civil UAS operation in the continental United States. So I spent the next few years expanding those operations and approvals in many states in the western United States and conducting operations. From there, I started a consulting company to help other enterprise drone programs grow and conduct BV loss operations. And in 2021, I joined Skydio, so I'm almost two years at Skydio now. And I'm particularly interested in our highly autonomous workflows and our drone in a box or docked drone operations. I'm a private pilot, also a drone pilot. I own a 15 meter sailplane and an antique single engine aircraft. And for about six years, I voluntarily led a 90-member flying club that owned eight aircraft and operated a private airfield. So bottom line is I'm very passionate about aviation. I'm very passionate about the drone industry. And I look forward to a great conversation today with, with these panelists. And uh, thanks, Esther, for inviting me to participate. Thank you, Jen. And, you know, I think this is the last day of the conference. And, you know, I see people gathering. So this conversation should be interactive, you know. So <laughs> I would love to challenge all of you to ask questions, you know, from our panelists later on. And, but, you know, second, Nina Dorfman, who is a manager of Drone Competence Center at Austro Control, who is an ANSP and a CAA together. Nina, please. Thank you, Esther, for the introduction. And uh, thank you for having me, for inviting me. Uh, my name is Nina Dorfmeier. I'm the manager of the Drone Competence Center at Austro Control. And as Esther just said, uh, we have a combination uh, in Austria of the ANSP and the Civil Aviation Authority. So uh, at Austro Control, we are 
bundling all our drone-related activities at our drone section. And on the one hand, of course, this is all the operational authorizations um, and also the safety promotion, the operator registration, everything uh, to get drones in the air safely. And on the other hand, of course, as an ANSP, the topic of uh, integration of uh, unmanned aviation into the airspace is also very interesting for us and we're having a, uh, also huge interest in UTM systems and uh, all those um, topics are bundled within our drone competence center. So um, very happy to be the manager of, of this section and in such a very fast evolving field. Um, my background is legal. Uh, when I came to, to Austro Control um, to the Civil Aviation Authority, like over 10 years ago. Um, I started as a legal advisor and uh, the topics of drones was, was just coming up. So uh, consumer drones were getting more and more popular in Austria and basically there was no legal framework for that. So uh, for me, it was very interesting to contribute to this very fast, technically evolving field and uh, to be able to contribute to write all the regulations from scratch because that's a very <laughs> <laughs> rare thing that you you never get to do as a legal advisor. So I was uh, very passionate and very involved in the topic from the beginning and uh, yeah, kept doing that, having several drone projects, uh, coordinating within Austro Control, with ATM, uh, yeah, also with our ministry. Uh, yeah, and that's where I'm today, <laughs> still passionate about drones and uh, to get drones in the air safely. Amazing, thank you so much. And you know, last but not least, of course, from Sprite, uh, Diana Shager, who is the Vice President Business Development. Uh, please. Oh, thank you very much and thank you for having me here. I think that I probably have a little bit of a different story than most people here. So I am the VP of Business Development for Sprite. Sprite is an operator based out of the US, uh, but we operate worldwide. Uh, we come from uh, aviation heritage. Our uh, parent company is the largest helicopter provider, a medical helicopter provider in the US. So we have a really rich aviation background and we are using drones to implement uh, critical medical delivery. We also do critical infrastructure. So we're a B2B service provider really working on areas where drones can make a critical impact for businesses, businesses models and infrastructure. I, I personally, um, have a, a very different background, I guess. Um, I started my career in aviation. Um, when I went to college, I was a uh, mathematics intern, actually, and the FAA uh, Technical Center was close by. That's the leading research uh, center for the FAA. So I was in school, it was nearby, and I just happened to be there and have the opportunity to become an intern, which kicked off my career in aviation. So I, I didn't start in that direction. Um, I went on to work in um, collision risk modeling and real-time simulations with the FAA and eventually Eurocontrol, supporting safety cases and implementations of new procedures in the NAS. Back then, it was a, it was a while back, <laughs> and all of us in aviation are very familiar uh, with GPS and tracking and information, but at the time, that was really new to the commercial segment. So I actually saw a great opportunity and I stepped out of aviation and I went and joined a mobile tech startup and we became the first company to launch location-based services for consumers on cell phones. That sounds very um, not important because we all do that, but I can assure you at that moment that was the same as launching your drone business and actually getting out into the market. And I believe that drones, we'll be talking about drones and, and how they're flying the same way that you all think that an application on a cell phone is just kind of every day. So that part is really exciting. Um, after I was in that startup, um, there was an emerging concept and that was technology as medicine. Um, I have a personal passion and super interested and there was a lot of opportunity in there and I knew I had to join that. So I went and joined a company and eventually became their COO and we developed mobile and web applications to help people with disease management and uh, live healthier lifestyles. I got to work with leading researchers, um, traveled and worked with doctors and researchers across the country and really learned a lot about healthcare, preventative health. 
was super inspired. I created and uh, patented a new exercise bar, innovative bar that's um, pretty proud to say is used today to help therapists and patients um, regain healthier movement with neurological movement disorders. So this is completely not in the path of drones, but what it is is um, drones and the technology is very startup based. Um, I love the startup culture. I'm super excited about that. And I'm also really excited to see the merger now of more traditional aviation, where my background is from, to the startup environment, fast-moving technology. And what is great about uh, Sprite and why I'm really excited about being here and being part of joining all the colleagues who have really been leading the technology in the uh, drone industry is a lot of people talk about package delivery or ways that drones are doing it. I think of drones as ways to change people's lives and about better healthcare delivery and about the whole service. So while I am excited about the drone, I'm actually really excited about the solutions, the way we're gonna impact people's lives, how we're gonna help customers achieve their goals and drive new models of business. So for that, I'm super excited to be able to be part of the revolution and change the way people are able to live and do business. Amazing, thank you. I think everything, everyone's background is, is pretty amazing. So, you know, the question comes naturally, what what made you entering to the drone industry? And as a female leader, you know, every day working on initiatives which really changing the industry as of today, you know, what are the challenges or what, what was the path, you know, towards to that? I think it's, it's a better question for first. So basically, what are the challenges of today as a female leader? And what do you think, what was the path? And uh, maybe another question on that, just to food for thought. How can we involve more women to the drone industry than to other technological industries, you know? And, and I think as of today, we're creating the drone industry. This is the momentum. So this is our responsibility to take action here. So I think I'm, I'm sure you all have a few thoughts, maybe Nina first, you know? Mm -hmm. I know you're hiring as well in your team. So maybe you could also share a few good practices mm -hmm. <laughs> from the hiring side. I think for challenge-wise is that, um, of course, uh, aviation is still very male-dominated. And for example, in the Austrian Civil Aviation Authority, I'm the only female manager. So this is definitely uh, a challenge, but on the other hand, also an, an opportunity. And I'm very grateful that I've been given this opportunity because it brings the chance to just uh, bring new perspectives uh, to the table and to, to also influence on, on how this is uh, evolving. And I think it's also um, an opportunity to show that, yes, uh, diversity is necessary and diversity is really working and we should really uh, keep, <laughs> keep going on, on that path. So, um, and for the drone industry, as you said, it's so fast uh, evolving. And I think this could really the benefit because it's growing very fast, but still on the other hand, the um, systems are not so established as in manned aviation. So for every woman or girl who wants to get in, into aviation, I think this is a really good opportunity in this uh, new field of, of aviation. And um, for example, in, in our team at the Drone Competence Center, uh, currently we have uh, four male team members and uh, six female team members, including me. And I think that's a very good ratio compared to, to other fields. And um, it really works out well. Sounds amazing. Jen, any, any thoughts on that, you know? Well, I mean, I, at Skydio, we've had, we have a, a, a strong and growing group of, of female leaders at the company, and we've had a lot of strong support from executive leadership who recognize that there's, you know, been an underrepresentation of women in the tech and aviation sector. And what's even more important beyond just recognizing that is being proactive and taking practical steps to address the issue, um, which we're doing, and uh, super proud of that. Uh, in 2022, 17% of the applicants for our open positions at Skydio were women, and 24% of the placements were female candidates. And even better, 
um, bringing, bringing women into the roles is that 27% of the promotions in 2022 were, were female promotion, promotions of females into, into higher roles. So that's like wonderful uh, in terms of, you might say like 20%, there's a lot of room for improvement there and there is, but traditionally I think in aviation it's been somewhere around 10% of the companies represented by, by women uh, across the board between engineering and sales roles and all the roles in the company. So it's, uh, it's really exciting that the progress that we're making and the fact that we put a focus on it at Skydio and there's a lot of strong support for it. So drones seem to be one of these you know, startup cultures with a, 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 that has identified that we can bring the best minds in and we can do that by um, recruiting women. Yeah, but a question comes maybe, you know, what I received this question and, and maybe we, we could answer in that the problem is when someone puts out a role, women not applying. You know, this is, the, this is the usual question. I want to hire a female in my team, but I don't get applications, you know. So how do you see that Sprite, you know, or, or what's your experience maybe, Diana, um, regarding that? Uh, how can we attract females, you know, why you applied, you know, what attracted you to apply? the role? Um, well, first off, our parent company, our CEO, we're a billion dollar company and they, it's a female CEO that runs that. So I think that, you know, leadership at the top is, is a great example. Obviously, we all know that when you have a role model or a place to look, you know that it's a woman friendly place. Um, but really, uh, because I have a strong background in healthcare and then coming from aviation, so I left aviation with that similar, you know, there's, you're one of two women in the room and there's a lot of, of uh, men. And then I moved into healthcare and it was the first time I showed up in a room and I was like, wow, there's, you know, there's half the women in the room and half the men and sometimes more women in the room. So why is that? Because I'm still in technology, but I'm in a totally different vertical. So I think there's some lessons to learn from what attracts people um, and everybody's interested in a different dimension. So if you advertise for a tech position, some people are excited. I'm excited about technology for how it impacts people's lives. Other people are excited about the technology because it's the latest and they are doing things. So I think people can consider and employers can start to look at um, highlighting different aspects of a position, whether it's technical, business, it doesn't really matter. Everybody does their job for what really motivates them and to try and come at a description from a a few different ways is, uh, is really a way to connect with people and make sure that you are getting them excited about your mission and your technology and the opportunities and the impact and also help them see um, like this is part of the future. Like you're really, you're really developing the future in, in so many different ways. And I think sometimes that gets lost in the... In the advertisement. In, yeah, in the yeah, advertisement, yeah. right? You don't really uh, highlight, you get too much into the, the, the guts of just technical details. Yeah. What do you think, uh, Nina, how do you hire? You have six women in the team. When you hire, how can you attract, you know, or is there a quota? You know, like in a previous conference, someone said to me that is the way. And, and you know, just, you know, on a stage, someone said, maybe we should put quota out, you know, and until naturally going to be half-half, you know, the ratio, we should, you know, force it. What do you think about that? Or do you have any view on that? It's always difficult, of course, but I think it doesn't happen naturally to uh, increase the quota. So you definitely have to, to look into that. And so far, um, it could also be that this is uh, government-related, uh, specific, um, but we didn't have any issues with uh, getting uh, applications uh, from women so far. So it's, it's always very balanced. Um, I think it's, it's also very important that uh, you then get the right roles. Um, I think... Um, I mean, I still have the impression that in certain fields, uh, women still have to work more and be more eager to, to get promoted to, to roles with more responsibility. It's, it's kind of a bias. And I think for that, um, it, it could, uh, you should really look into that. And you have to have the awareness uh, throughout the company, I think, throughout the organization um, yeah. to really build an environment where you not 
cannot only hire <laughs> uh, good minds and, and also women, but that uh, they also feel uh, appreciated and seen and, and uh, getting ahead. And I think that's, that's very important to have perspectives as well. The culture, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jen, anything on that? Uh, no, I, I, I would agree uh, with both Nina and Deanna about uh, showing that, there's, that your job, that your role has an impact that it's exciting both from a technical standpoint, if that's, your, if that's the role you're looking at, but also the impact you're going to have and the contribution you're going to make, um, I think is, is something that's important to women applicants. Um, I also think growing the applicant pool starts young. Mm -hmm. um, so if you, if you want to have a large applicant pool that includes women that can compete for the roles, um, it starts with inspiring girls and young women early to consider STEM fields. Um, and at Skydio, we, we, we have programs that uh, Youth Fly Days, um, a UAS for STEM program, um, and uh, women within Skydio who sponsor uh, robotics and other flight demonstration days in their communities. So just that exposure, um, consider a STEM field, you know, a few years later, you're going to have more applicants for, for the roles that you're putting out there. And hopefully those are written in a way that attract women to apply for the roles. Can I, can I have to agree more? So, you know, I think the other topic is that, which is, which is extremely important to talk about, is that as a daily basis, is that, is that really different? You are a woman in the room, you know? Like, personally, I got invited to panel to tick the woman numbers, you know, they must show in the panel there is a woman, you know. <laughs> and personally, I invited to panels where I had nothing to do with the topic. I'm not sure if you had this experience or not. And I never got invited in panels where I had really a lot to do with the topic, you know, <laughs> because, you know, they labeled me too young, too female, too passionate, you know, too much. <laughs> you know, you cannot imagine how many times I was too much, you know. and. Uh, and I think somewhere this is where I think a little bit as a woman, to me, is difficult, you know? Um, and I'm not sure if you have, um, and after, of course, we can talk about drones and other topics, but did you have a similar experience somewhere you got positively discriminated because you are a woman and somewhere it was like challenging to get into, you know, and you got locked out from certain things? Um, do you have any examples of that and how did you overcome this? Um, maybe, you know, Diana. Um, so I think uh, I've probably been on both sides of the fence. Yeah. Um, working with the FAA. Um, the FAA is very supportive of advanced education and uh, promoting women if they want to take advantage. So when I was with the FAA, um, probably because I was female, I got accepted into a graduate program. And as long as it was in the sciences, I had a full paid graduate degree and the opportunity to go and study. So. I would say that was probably something that was easier for me as a female to achieve than maybe a male colleague. Maybe I had the opportunity to get picked first or yes. something like yes. that. So sometimes uh, it can work to your advantage. Um, I think in my experience in some of the industry um, is also if you can present yourself, you're looking for the best candidate. So you can also take, you talked about the conference and, and being there. The fact that you get picked sometimes because female, I think, is a great opportunity to shine and show an opportunity, like, you know, what you have to offer. Yeah. And, and change minds. Like, so take advantage of that. Like, that's, it's not anything that's bad. It's an opportunity to change right. minds, have an interaction with somebody and let somebody realize, hey, maybe the next time I should really seek out somebody that even has more experience. So I think that that works really well. Um, there are, of course, times where you know, being female, um, somebody and you walk into the room might ask you, it's not as bad as it used to be, I don't think, you know, if you're the one that's getting the coffee or ordering lunch or something <laughs> yeah. like that, and you're like, okay. Um, you know. And I had yeah, uh, talked about a couple experiences <laughs> like that where I think sometimes it's uh, an assumption. Um, and the last thing I wanted to add to that is really something that I've learned through my interactions, and that's just unconscious bias as well. Um, when we look at women and we talk about ourselves or other people do, there are just things that you don't realize that you take for granted that you're, you're accepting and people are giving to you. And, and that's a really big impact. And I think even more important because the subtle things are a lot harder to manage than the things that are in your face, right? Yeah. So um, 
you talked about getting um, more uh, younger children involved, young girls involved. And I was talking to a gentleman that um, has a program for getting girls involved in drones. And he said, our job, you know, what we really want to do is show girls that they can do it. And that moment, I was like, you don't have to show a girl that she can do it. She already knows she can. You want her to get her to know that she wants to do it, that it's exciting, that it's interesting, <laughs> and maybe something to... That's that unconscious layer, I think, yeah. that we all have. And, and maybe so many years ago, I wouldn't have picked up on the can and, and those different things. So I think that there's, there's the... You get stuff because you're a woman, but there's a subtle undertone that all of us can learn about whether you're it's female, gender, whatever it is, the issue that, that's through a lot of things that I think we have to maybe pay attention. It would do a lot to change job applications, yeah. interaction, mm -hmm. feeling welcome, different things like that. Yeah. I, I can relate. Like, I would be the happiest if this panel wouldn't happen, you know? Exactly. <laughs> like, honestly, I don't want to moderate a panel like this. Right. I don't want this. But, you know, ATM Congress, did you see the photos? Every single panel was full of white male people. Like if you scroll the, the photos, there was like a giant LinkedIn movement because females started to comment under it and say, organizers, next time, maybe, you know, not the whole panel discussion should be, but like every single panel. So we must still push this. And, you know, the audience is full. Like this is the last day, probably one of the last panels, right. and you are still sitting here, which means there is a problem which we need to solve somehow. And what really amazed me, the audience is half-half, you know, because what I hate the most, women talk to women, we need to be at the stage and we have a woman group and we get together. This is not about this, this is about we all talk about this, mm -hmm. how we make it diverse, you know, mm -hmm. for our own business benefit, you know. And maybe Nina, do you, do you have a thought on this or some examples from yeah. your life? I mean, I think uh, a lot of us has, have been there, aviation is very male dominated. And yes, uh, I was uh, very often the only woman in the meeting, I uh, was asked to take the notes, I was asked yeah. to get the coffee, I was uh, asked <laughs> to organize the next meeting. So basically, I, I was always the, the secretary and not the legal advisor. Um, but I, I think um, I'm happy to say that this has uh, changed, uh, I think, over, over the last decade. I think that there is more awareness now. We really have to push that uh, also for, um, uh, for managers and, and for leaders in, in every uh, organization to, to really have the awareness that, that this is not okay. And uh, I think um, the awareness is growing. So um, you're not really getting <laughs> discriminated so much anymore. Also, um, uh, a lot of uh, women probably have been there for like also when applying for jobs and you have a certain age, you're al yeah. always under the presumption that you're getting kids very soon. Um, yeah. So you're discriminated. And I think that this just uh, has to change because uh, also if so, you still want to have the, the best applicant and the best ideas on the table. So that uh, should not matter. But um, in, in my opinion or in my experience that has really changed over the last years and uh, doesn't happen to me so often. Um, maybe you could also say you have the advantage that you get underestimated uh, a lot of yeah. times <laughs> and then you just uh, can, uh, can surprise. Um, but yeah. do you think, sir, it not happens with you now because you're in leadership position and people not, you know, enough brave? Or do you think, and before you were maybe more junior, and you know, or do you think it that happens with you because really the industry shuffled and changed, or is it mm. both? I think it's a combination of yes. both. Um, of course, when you are uh, more junior in, in or new in a company, you're not so much in the posi position to speak up or to point out <laughs> those, those things. But luckily, uh, more and more people do. And uh, I think uh, what's also uh, really important that um, you also have like the backing of your male colleagues. Mm -hmm. So if they see that it's not okay on how you are treated, or if a colleague is getting picked on, uh, why do you have to pick up your kids again uh, at this hour? Or why can't you attend a meeting at uh, eight o'clock in the evening? I think uh, in my experience, more and more also male 
colleagues really um, have a say and speak up and also yeah. uh, recognize that this is uh, not okay. And, and so I think the awareness is there and, and it is changing and also could possibly be that um, the drone industry, of course, is younger yeah. than traditional aviation. So um, you also deal with younger people. And yeah. mindset is different. <laughs> could also be, of course. Could be. Like, um, I, I want general opinion in this. You know, when I started to work in the drone industry, I was frustrated so many times. I went home crying. And I cried on Lorenzo's shoulder, who is my husband, you probably know. And I'm like, did you see how they dealt with me? Did you see what they said? You know, I was so frustrated. And he like, I didn't see. And I'm like, how you could not see? When you talk, people listen. When I talk, they don't, you know. And he's like, and, and he really didn't see. And after a while, I understood because he's not in the shoes of mine. Mm. And, not and he loves me. He's my husband, right? So he, he has all the support on the planet. But because he's not in the shoes of me, he really didn't see the difference, you know. Mm. So after a while, I understood male parties. It's nothing on purpose, you know. When they organize a panel where there is no female or when there is a full of board of directors of, of an association and there is no female, I'm the only female in the whole Swiss industry board of association of drones. It's not on purpose. This is what I realized. Well, I mean, that's the unconscious bias exactly. part. It's just kinda, you kind exactly. of accept what's happening and you don't really realize it until it... You just go with it because right. things working, right. and, but it could work better if it's diverse. I'm not sure, Jen, what do you think about this? Is it... Uh, yeah, I agree with, with a lot of things that have been said already. Yeah. Um, I think things are a lot different now than when I started my career. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's much better. I think unconscious bias training is a good thing for companies to do because mm -hmm. uh, bec you become self-aware about it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned advocates, right? Having other team members, including males, now have an awareness of some of these dynamics and can intervene on your behalf and help you. And in, like an example of that is maybe a customer call where you have teammates and you have a customer or an external party you're dealing with and say you're the female and that customer is not really acknowledging you or listening to you even though you're the most senior person mm -hmm. in the room or you're leading the conversation and they instead direct their attention to a male. Exactly. But your male coworkers who now observe this and have an awareness of it can redirect the conversation back to you or defer to you or help you in this way. Mm -hmm. um, so there, these things like happen now where in my experience that was not the case. You were kind of on your own had to figure out how to deal with it, um, maybe overcome some upset in the moment and figure out how to deal with your emotions and carry forward, which is a lot harder to do um, and puts more pressure on you while you're trying to do you know, important business work or technical work. So I think a lot's changed for the better. I think we have you know, um, awareness of this and a lot of advocates and help from our teammates, male and female, um, to combat some of these things. And I think what's important for female leaders in a company and being able to grow in a company is to have um, support from the top. And when you have an idea of your, your trajectory, if you want to grow into a leadership role, it's critically important to have a champion who maybe you don't have quite the executive presence that other, other people have, but you have the skills, capability, desire, and competence, and you have a champion that can help you get there. And if you don't have that, it's going to be a, a lot harder. So when, when you're in an environment or an organization where all those things are coming together, it's a really positive environment for diversity mm -hmm. for everyone. And I think you get you know, the, the best outcomes for the business, too, by doing that. And you know, one more thought, and I, I think this is what I would like to ask you also, Commenton. Like, diversity is not a nice favor what you do, in my opinion. We're talking about nice, being nice, you know. I, I, I'm not sure if you ever Googled it, but it's a business benefit. Diverse companies make 10 times more revenue than, you know, not diverse companies because their product is soluble for female and male user as well, you know. They have different perspectives and the product what they create goes out to more users, you know. And end of the day, this is a favor for your own 
profit. You know, diversity <laughs> is a paper for your own company. This is not something what you do to me, you know, or to anyone else. This is how I think. But I'm pretty, you know, dramatic on this. I'm not sure, you know, any of you would want to comment on it. Did you see any, any numbers on any business benefit on it? Because I did read about productivity. It's extremely high. Revenue generation goes double, triple in two, three years, you know with different perspectives in the decision-making rooms. Um, um, so yeah. before I came on with Sprite, um, so I was in companies and we raised venture capital. I personally raised angel funding for my company when I did. And that is, uh, what is it? I think about two, two and a half percent of female founders even get uh, capital, right? So there's systemic problems, whether it's raising capital from VCs, whether it's trying to uh, get more revenue for your yeah. company that shows, you know, a, a woman-backed company, I think it's 30% 30, 30 more uh, revenue um, from those companies. So 30% more revenue. Yeah, there's 30% more revenue, the diversity. And I think what um, it, it goes back to that, some of that unconscious bias, like you're used yeah. to seeing these things. There's also a lot in that about how, you know, there's leading questions, there's the way you're asked and, and kind of you're led down a path that brings that. So I think that again, sort of educating, bringing the, the data about it. So and diversity can be whether it's the gender, and there's also, I think, in aviation, a little bit of, of diversity in the, the path. Like, I'm not traditional. I didn't start in aviation, go to aviation, and go along. Um, and I think you need a mix of both of those people because when you bring different perspectives, you get different problem-solving perspectives, right? And I think that's the whole diversity of male-female. You're just getting different perspectives. You're seeing a different point of view. You're able to handle your customer problems maybe more innovatively and, and be able to do that. And that's what's going to drive your revenue, give you a better environment. So I think that um, if people just think of it from great business, there's just a ton of data. There's lots of studies out there that show it's just good business bottom-line numbers. But there's also studies that also show um, more collaboration, better teamwork. Like there's a lot of, um, I call them the soft, you need the soft skills and the hard skills, right? You need the heavy tech, but people are maybe more likely to sh you know, share answers or be more collaborative about a different point of view. So I think there's a lot of benefits. And if you can look at them across the board that are going to do that and tons of data to back up how that goes. Yeah, for sure, a lot. Nina? Yeah, I, I think there is uh, honestly not, not much to add. And, and as you just said, it's not only male, female, but also, I don't know, young, old, uh, mm -hmm. different backgrounds, different, uh, different education, um, different nationalities also. Uh, I think you just uh, get more creative and uh, you get more ideas uh, to contribute and, and more perspectives. And uh, I think um, also, um, at Austro Control and, and at the Civil Aviation Authority, uh, we're getting more and more uh, and, and better in this because our teams now get, get more mixed. Uh, we have more, more younger employees. And, and also, um, you can now question, uh, is the way we've always done something really the most efficient way or the best way? Or, or could we have other solutions for that? And I think that, that really pays off. So yeah, definitely. So Jenny, it's, it's another story. Um, you know, I always tell this story, you know, I read the Michelle Obama book, you know, and I'm not sure if you've seen, read it. And in the first paragraph, they say, you know, when, uh, when uh, her husband became the president, she went to the room and she's like, oh my God, everyone's going to be smarter than me, right? Like the whole, <laughs> you know, American, uh, you know, basically cream of the politics going to be in the room and I'm just like a wife of Obama, right? So she entered to the room, she started to talk with them, and she realized in 20 minutes, maybe actually I'm smarter than 80% of them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's in the book. And you know, I, I can see myself in that, I'm not sure, um, because I always had this low self-confidence, you know? As a female, I think we tend to have this. You go into the room and you think you are the dumbest, you know, and and I think I think this is one of the blocker what we create our own self. I'm not sure I can see people like agreeing here in the audience. <laughs> is this something what not male or anyone else creates? You know, we create for our own self, and I think especially if woman does this. You know, I'm not sure if Jen or Nina or anyone, uh, Diana, anyone want to share um, anything on that or any examples of this you've seen. I mean, you, you have the studies that um, uh, 
with the different habits of applying for jobs. Uh, yeah. And I think that's a good example <laughs> because you said this, those um, confidence issues. And, and we know that like uh, uh, the male applicant, uh, he also applies if he does not fulfill everything. And uh, for a woman to apply, uh, most of them need to be over-fulfilling all the requirements. Yeah. So I think that's, that's really a problem because you could have so much more applicants and uh, that, that would fulfill the role perfectly, but I'm just not applying. And I think that's the, the next example to this uh, problem that you are telling, that maybe we, we do not get all the, um, the bright ideas and, and, and the bright applicants because of uh, this confidence, uh, confidence yeah. uh, actually. And um, honestly, I, I don't really have a solution, uh, but... <laughs> I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, though. You can... Um, and actually with Jen, you know, you have role models and mentors in your life. Um, I was, I guess, fortunate to have strong men in my life. So I never felt like I shouldn't try. Uh, I, was, I was the same or better. And I was recognized that from an early age. So I think that, like you said, all the women in the room is great because then you get ways to help navigate and understand when you're in your seat. But then you need, you know, you need male role models and mentors as well because they might be the ones that say, you know, you're fine, just go. And you know what? You're just going to go. So I think it's, it's, yeah. um, it's listening to the, the things that are being told around you and, and taking in inputs from both sides and not to get too caught up in whether you're male or female, but whether you're just the best one for the job and you know it. I think mm -hmm. at Sprite, what I really like is uh, we have women. It would be great to have more. And as soon as we find the ones that are qualified, they're going to be there, right? Like the people who are interested and qualified. Yeah. We just want to find the best people to do the best work in the best way to, to be the best company that we can be. And that's whatever that is, right? So however that shows up, to more to your point. So I think that we need to just be open and listen and, and take from not just women, but from men and from women and, and navigate the system and kind of overcome. Nice. Totally. Jen, anything? I 1,000% agree with, with Diana on that. Absolutely. I, I will... I'll make a little comment that I don't consider it a confidence problem. I consider it an overconfidence problem. Overconfidence. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Um, some people are maybe overconfident, and we can't mistake that for, for confidence. Oh, for sure, right? That happens right. a lot. Yeah. Right? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And that's a perspective I think some women can bring to the table when, yeah. right. when building teams, right? Correct. I agree yeah. with that 100% as well. Okay, drones, you know, we're all working in drones, right? So I'm sure you're extremely, you know, curious. What's the ladies' future, you know, looking like on drones and what you are working on? So just maybe Jen again. So autonomous drones, Skydio flies autonomous drones. You are responsible for that regarding regulatory enabler. What's next at Skydio, autonomous, you know, solutions? How do you see the future, you know? Uh, well, we, we have to we have to enable that, right? Like, the technology is available to us, and like part of my role is to, uh, you know, the, the regulatory frameworks are maybe there, but we, we we're not we're not where the technology could have us be in terms of you know, multi drone and unattended operations and um, doing that all safely and for the right use cases. So there's, there's still a lot of work to be done and sort of that, that pacing between regulatory change and technological change. Um, but I'm very, like, I'm very, very excited for both the near term and the long term. Uh, like what inspired me to, to start working in drones with this idea of these technical and regulatory challenges around the idea that, you know, as an aeronautical engineer, a drone is a chance to build an entire, design, build and fly and operate an entire aircraft which is not something that you get to do as a member of a, a large traditional aviation company. You work on some part of the entire whole. But you get to work on more of the whole uh, in the drone space, at least in the small drone space. Um, but So that, that's what in, like, inspired me to get involved. But what keeps me interested and what keeps me motivated is all this potential to do, to do good and to provide positive impact, like for worker safety, for public safety, um, for infrastructure resilience, and to see the tech and the regulations come together to, to do these good things and provide public benefit. Like, that's super inspiring, 
And we're going to find, like, there are things that we haven't even thought of that we can do with drones that, that are going to become apparent as we do more and more things and we get more and more scale. And I think, you know, we're having sort of a renaissance in aviation right now with everything that's going on. And we're having a revolution in terms of machine learning and robotics. And there's just so, so much opportunity to make really big contribution in this space and to provide benefits to, to people at the same time. So it's, it's really exciting. I, I almost think we don't know where we're headed in the end, but I, I, I think we're all steering it towards this wonderful beneficial direction and it's going to be exciting on, on so many fronts in the years to come. Nina, so I heard, you know, the Gossip U space is coming to Austria and, you know, <laughs> you, you enable it. So what's going to happen in the Austrian airspace? <laughs> yeah, actually, I think U space is still a, a long way, way to go, but uh, we are trying and we're doing the, the concept that we also had the EASA panel yesterday. So to start some U-Space services without uh, actually having the U-Space yet, because yeah, the regulation is new. We still need to figure it out. We might not start with the perfect U-Space or the perfect UTM system yet, but uh, we are very soon uh, to start the first services and when when do you start the first <laughs> services like very soon I will be cautious and I will say <laughs> in early summer summer <laughs> summer oh, and uh, yeah so we are uh, getting our first shot at uh, integrating the um, unmanned traffic into our CTRs and we are very excited about that and um, it's been a big project for us and also for our ATM department and we are very excited to, to taking the next steps and to really uh, yeah. enable more drone flights hopefully in Austria soon. It's amazing. So I just heard Sprite is, is really, you know, commercializing hospital deliveries, pharmaceutical deliveries and, and really, really active listening to the, to the user's perspective, you know, coming from a big aviation. So what's next, you know, at Sprite side? Um, well, as you mentioned, our focus yeah. is really um, on coming up with complete solutions. So we are an operator. We're taking a systems of systems approach. There's lots of technology out there. Not everything is perfectly come together. So we're really looking at our, our customers and what do we need to serve them. And an important part is a, a solution is not just a drone, which is a small piece. There's the whole integration with the customer. What is their business? How are you deploying? What are we trying to bring? How is that safe delivery? What happens on the other side? So we're really focused on expanding that entire end-to-end -end solution and being, um, we want to be a partner with our, you know, with our customers. So really making sure that we not only have the best drone technology and we're working with the best drone you know, tech companies out there, but we're also, uh, working on all the solutions and tech that goes on all the periphery of that and building out a, a, a comprehensive, scalable solution that makes money and everybody has business and it is going to be there for the long term, right? Not just a, a proof of concept or a pilot, but yes, scalable yes. business solutions that solve business problems. Amazing. So I think we arrived to the question part. You can ask uh, any question related to drones or women, career path, you know. I would like to encourage people to really do ask. Okay, I love you already. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> amazing. You haven't even heard the question. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't matter. Let, let's give a small introduction because I just want to add something to your story. Um, probably everybody here knows SpaceX. Yes. SpaceX has a female chief operating officer called Quinn Shotwell. And Gwyn always talks about how she ended up in the space industry, and then she tells an anecdote that no male manager would ever say. <laughs> because every time she talks about the suit that the female engineer was wearing at a presentation that she attended as a, as a girl. And that made such an impression on her that still now, now she's well, a very important manager, she still repeats that each time. And I think that's something we are a little bit missing here in this whole conversation, that we kind of ended up in a male type of uh, discussion about how to get females into technology. And I suppose, and that's maybe also a question to you, shouldn't we start talking with organizations like Lego, who really know how to communicate with girls, mm -hmm. and know how to trigger girls to get interested in a certain sector that they would not even consider 
And I think that's where we go wrong. They wouldn't even consider it. We need to get them to consider going into technology, going into drones. So my opinion would be maybe we should step out of a male-oriented paradigm and, and yeah, think more about what triggered, and uh, I can even pose it as a question, what triggered you to get into this industry? Yeah. I can, I can take it, everyone. <laughs> so I think, I think in my mind there are two aspects, and after maybe you, you share your thought. A is that we don't need engineers only, you know, like I think we, I don't want to motivate young girls to be an engineer. I'm an engineer, I suffered five years in a university, <laughs> and you know, it's great I'm an engineer, but I could do my job without an engineering degree, 100%, you know. So I think. What I'm trying to say that maybe someone finished the uni as a marketing or sales or international business or economist, you know, and they not even consider to coming to the drone industry. And I think that's one part. We need to kind of make them shuffle towards the drone industry because they are amazing professionals. They have amazing knowledge, you know, and we need that knowledge, you know. We need, I need a salesperson who can sell my services, you know, and it doesn't need to be an engineer on paper, you know. And, and I think the other aspect is that if you are a young female or a, or a girl, I think education, this is exactly what you're telling, we need to make it attractive. I am not 100% sure how, and I would like to ask you, yesterday Iasa gave a mini drone to my daughter, <laughs> and you know, and I think that's great, she loves this mini drone, and there is an Iasa logo, and she's already paying with it, so, but it's a very small step, so I don't think so she's gonna work on drones, because Iasa gave a mini drone to her <laughs> yesterday. So I'm not sure, what's, what's your but view? I, to, to your point, I think is a great point. It's, it's a societal change to get people to become like, like Lego. I say marketing makes the world go round, right? If you can market something, Lego's making a ton of money by having girls get involved, right? So it's a great cause and it makes great business. That's back to the great business model. So I think if we focus on ways that businesses will realize more money or education systems. So y your example is it would that's the exposure and, and the, the money drive. So I think helping companies understand, but it's also that early education is something I think is a little bit harder for companies. Like we have programs, but we're not gonna touch the world at the, at the size of somebody like that. So I think that's a great point and trying to find ways to bring in some of those use cases or the marketing lessons that they got from how to market that and then sort of take those nuggets and bring it back in and say, how can we use best practices out of that marketing to, to bring our marketing and change how we talk, right? Because they're marketing the value, the benefits in the future. That's what we want to market to women and girls in general, I think. Mm. No. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm uh, also uh, kind of, I'm not an in engineer either. Yeah. My background is legal, so uh, I was uh, not attracted in the technical field first as well. But uh, I think you can you can always uh, get interested in, in uh, different technologies, and then uh, also your path does not have to be straight. You you could also uh, take a turn, go into the drone industry, and uh, as you said, I think we need many uh, different skills, and yeah, that will be a good mix. Yeah. So, then. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I just think it, it's different at different stages, right? So for, for young people, sometimes, you know, not, not everybody who sees a drone fly or, or plays with Lego toys is going to follow into a STEM career. Um, but exposure mm -hmm. and opportunities, you know, widen the field of view for, for young people so that they consider more options and not feel closed off or... You know, I think there's this effect where a lot of people sort of kind of do what their parents did or do the example of family members or, or, or close neighbors or family friends because that's what they see. So they know that career path works. They have an example to look to. And if they never see or experience a real live person who's doing something different, they just don't maybe think about it. So across the board, I think, having role models, having visibility of our industry, of the kinds of career fields there are, and having opportunities to explore them, from playing around with toys all the way through you know, high school robotics competitions or 
you know, other, you know, and it, at another level, at, at later in your career, just that there's this cool industry out there, there are these trade shows, it's the intersection of, of tech and brand new technology and there's great business opportunities could lead someone further on in their career to say go from healthcare back into aviation. Um, so I just think it's like, we live in a world that there's so much information out there and yet these real world experiences help us chart our course mm -hmm. through our career from a young age, even through mid-career yeah. or late career. So um, my perspective is just expose people to things, be role models and, and see what happens <laughs> at the end of the day. Thank you, I'm Raoul from Austria and my question is about find allies with other minorities who are also in the same boat but on maybe another corner of the boat, but try together to bring this diversity aspect yeah. in a broader sense into the industry. That's the main question. Yeah. I mean, can't argue with that, right? <laughs> now, and I think, you know, double, double discrimination is exists. Triple, you know, I'm discriminated every day in the bus because my daughter shouts like hell, you know, and they think <laughs> I'm a bad mom. And I'm not a bad mom, she just shouts, you know what I mean? So, you know, anywhere where you go, you got discriminated. I'm a mom, I'm a female, I'm too young, I'm too outspoken. I don't know, I think, I think exactly diversity is so much more than just female and male. I take the point. I think that was the point, right? It's, it's just, you know, so much more. And, and I think this is where conscious decisions should be taken. And, and I think the other question is what maybe, you know, if until we wait for one, my one main challenge, I do this as voluntary, and all the ladies do this voluntary. One of these panels takes 10 hours, easy to organize, you know. And, and I think there is a cost involved. So for example, back to the point, if I want to work with Lego, someone need to pay that, you know. I, ca I need to feed my family. I cannot work for free for Lego to make the world a better place. You know, I need to be able to pay my bills. You know what I'm trying to say? So for example, like, Lorenzo, my partner, became aerospace engineer because she, he saw Top Gun. He <laughs> saw Top Gun and he decided to be aerospace engineer. I want to see a drone movie. I want to see a drone movie there in Netflix <laughs> where my daughter going to say, I'm going to work in the drone industry like he saw Top Gun. But who can finance this? <laughs> who going to pay that movie? You or you? Or, or I should now again do a movie and pay it? Or that's my main challenge. I'm not sure, you know, how do you should see Should we call it? Tom Cruise? Yeah, yeah, we should call <laughs> Tom Cruise. But honestly, who's going to pay that movie? <laughs> so it's good. We could do it. But that's where I see should be a collaborative effort. I'm not sure, Nina, what do you think about this? It's like... Yeah. Definitely. I, I mean, I think there was a drone uh, program of the Air Force mentioned in the second part yeah. of Top Gun, <laughs> <laughs> but we really didn't get a lot of information about that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think this is just, uh, you have to get more visible. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, as you say, who is going to finance this? And, yeah. and it cannot be unpaid. Um, and, and I think it's an important topic because it will pay off eventually. So that, that would be the solution. I mean, you could uh, um, argue who will benefit from it in the future and maybe find ways to get, uh, to get it financed, uh, of yeah. course. <laughs> Diana, well, I, please. I, th please. I think as a business, um, if diversity is part of your strategy, you find um, revenue. I mean, if you're going to make the revenue and it's part of your strategy, it'll get incorporated into your, your budget and you're going to figure out a way to do that. Maybe not yeah. at, at the size you would like it to start, but prioritizing that and adding that into your, your budgetary considerations because you're expecting some payoff like anything else. You're going to invest in things you believe reap value in the future and you find, you find the time for things you think are important. Everybody does, right? So I think everybody's here because it's important. You're doing this because you believe it's important and you're finding the time. And then as companies grow more, they'll find bigger budgets because they're yeah. going to find the return and it'll, it'll, it's a little organic. You know, it has, exactly. to, it has to take time. Exactly. I believe it's going to pay off to my business this yeah. So, but, but yeah. But the key question was, wouldn't it be a good strategy to find allies among the other diversity groups? That was the key question. Diana. Um, I think that you, <laughs> everybody learns from everybody. So if yeah. you have the opportunity to benefit, everybody yeah. has a little bit of a voice and a different perspective. So you, you're trying to make your issues raise and maybe they're a little different. Yeah. But under the underlying, you want allies with... Any, anybody who's going to go in the right direction. Yeah. 
Jen, any closing remarks uh, based on our discussion, you know, or any anything you want to share, you know, because we are running out of time. I think they tell me that. So Lorenzo <laughs> and I have something in common. You saw something amazing. I'm going to tell your story now in the future, not his. <laughs> He's out now, you know. Good. Nina, any closing remarks? Um, I mean, it's such an uh, interesting industry. It's growing so fast. It's evolving. And, and as I said, the, the systems are not so set. We are able to define them now. So uh, I think it's, it's such an interesting field. And there are so many ways to contribute and, and shape the future for, for men and women and all other Everyone. minorities alike. So Amazing, Everyone. Diana. Um, I'm inspired. There's SpaceX. There's so many, you know, Cheryl Sam. There's a lot of women in leading places, which is really inspiring. Um, there's female sports teams. That didn't happen when I was young. There's a lot of things that are changing, to your yeah. point. It's a lot different than it was before. So I think that that's amazing. And to keep the conversation and, and just keep growing in the right direction, um, yeah. I think there's a lot of... A lot of good things. I think if anyone, everyone had at least one takeaway from this, that's enough, you know. Uh, I think it was a great discussion. Please feel free to talk to the panelists after the panel. You know, they are all amazing. And thank you so much. Thank you thank for you. everything. Thank you. Thank you.